the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you one of those individuals that struggles with absolute truths? Well, in God's Word, you find absolutes. And if we do things the way God tells us to do it, then things always turn out better. We are blessed. But if we do things any other way, things inevitably go sideways. So here, Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes, how to live a life that is blessed. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and he's beginning a new study here on Study Verse by Verse. We're on the web at studyversebyverse.com. Past broadcasts can be found there. And if you'd like to listen to the entire message, you'll find it on the church's website, Church of the Highlands in San Bruno at highlands.us. On this Monday, here's Pastor Leighton. I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to chapter 5 of Matthew's Gospel, Matthew uh, chapter 5. Now, we recently concluded a two-week study on the Lord's Prayer, which is found in the next chapter, chapter 6 of the Gospel of Matthew, and we found there a subject that's referenced not once, but twice. Now, everything the Bible talks about is important, but if it talks about it more than once, it means it's really, really important. And we find twice in the Lord's Prayer a reference to the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And so Matthew's gospel presents Jesus as king, and uh, the scholars have given this Sermon on the Mount various titles. They've called it the Magna Carta of the Kingdom, the Compendium of Christ's Doctrine, the Manifesto of the King, and of course they're speaking of King Jesus. So what is this kingdom all about? Well, we want to find out in the weeks to come as we study uh, the Sermon on the Mount, because in it, Jesus describes his kingdom. Dr. J. Vernon McGee wrote, the primary purpose of of the Sermon on the Mount is to set before men the law of the kingdom. In Matthew, we are talking about the king who has come to present himself. John the Baptist was his forerunner, and the king called disciples to follow him. And now he enunciates the law of the kingdom. This is the manifesto of the king and the platform of the Prince of Peace. These are the words of Dr. J. Vernon McGee. And and so the Sermon on the Mount begins with a portion of scriptures called called the Beatitudes. Someone has said this is a description of the attitudes that every Christian should be. The be-attitudes. Not the do-attitudes, but the be-attitudes. This is the way we ought to be every day of our life. Now, the word uh, beatitude comes from the Latin word for blessed, which is the first word of each one of the beatitudes. And so our, our, our study of the Sermon on the Mount is going to begin with the beatitudes because it's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. But I'd like you to look at what's before the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount to look at the context because in the latter portion of the previous chapter, chapter 4, Jesus calls his first disciples. These are the men that, that God has chosen to continue and expand the work of Christ Jesus after Jesus is taken back up to the throne room of heaven. But in order for his disciples to do their work effectively, they need to have instruction. And so that's what Jesus is providing here in this sermon. He's giving them instruction, his disciples' instruction. 
And that's also apparent from Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount because uh, immediately it, it follows immediately after Jesus' choosing of the twelve. Let's listen to what Jesus said. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, although the next verse, verse 11, begins with a familiar blessed are structure, it appears to be an expansion of the previous beatitude, the eighth beatitude. And uh, in literature, this is called an inclusio. So between the first beatitude and the eighth beatitude, it's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11 says, blessed are you. Notice in the previous beatitudes, it's blessed are they. Now the, it's gone from third person to second person. Now Jesus is talking to us. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so this sermon is a manifesto on the values of the kingdom of heaven. And it has been organized and constructed for easy memorization and maximum impact. And one of the first things that we notice here is that Jesus' principles are upside down when they are compared with the principles of this world. You see, in this world, it's not the poor who are considered blessed. It's the rich. In this world, it's not those who mourn who are considered blessed. It's those who are happy. In this world, it's not the meek who are considered blessed. It's the powerful. In this world, it's not those who are hungry who are considered blessed. It's those who are well-fed. So according to the standards here that Jesus describes, these would not be people that the world would call blessed. But God's way of living inevitably contradicts this world's way of living. Jesus' principles here are upside down when compared to the world. But when we see things as God sees things, it's not God that is upside down, it's the world. And that's why it's so important for us to develop a biblical worldview that we see things the way God sees them, that we see things the way the Bible describes it. And the only way that that can be accomplished is with a renewing of our minds. You see, our minds are saturated with the culture around us. The, the culture around us teaches us how to think. And the only way that we can think like God wants us to think is to have our brains washed. We need to have our, our minds immersed in the Word of God so that we can think like God wants us to think. The Beatitudes call on Christ's disciples to be distinct from those around them and promises them great reward. Now, when we see things the way God sees things, then we realize how wretched this world really is. Now, one of the scholars uh, called what, he, he put together what he calls the un-Beatitudes. 
the unbeatitudes. And he, and he says we can understand better the beatitudes by looking at them from their opposite. And he describes the condition as wretched. Wretched are the spiritually self-sufficient, for theirs is the kingdom of hell. Wretched are those who deny the tragedy of their sinfulness, for they will be troubled. Or as the Bible says, there's no peace for the wicked. Wretched are the self-centered, for they will be empty. Wretched are those who ceaselessly justify themselves, for their efforts will be in vain. Bless, wretched are the merciless, for no mercy will be shown to them. Wretched are those with impure hearts, for they will not see God. Wretched are those who reject peace, for they will earn the titles sons of Satan. Wretched are the uncommitted for convenience sake, for their destination is hell. Now, that's a pretty stark contrast, isn't it? And I think the reason that we're here is because we'd rather live lives that are blessed rather than wretched. And that's a good reason to pay attention to what Jesus has to say on how to live a blessed life. And in the weeks to come, should the Lord tarry, that we study through the Sermon on the Mount, it should become obvious to us that we cannot fulfill the standards of the Sermon on the Mount in our own capacity. The sermon was not given us so that we can pat ourselves or each other on the back and say, just work a little harder, try a little harder. We can make it. We can do this. Because we can't. We cannot live up to the standards in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is given for people who know they can't live up to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus relates anger to murder. Have you ever been angry with someone? You're guilty of murder. Lust to adultery. He sets the standards so far above the ability of any mortal person to attain. And if you look at the, the, the Sermon on the Mount honestly, it'll bring you to the recognition that you need a Savior. And that Savior is Christ who went to Calvary's cross. Now the sermon gives us high goals and great principles, and we need to know them in part because it, it underscores to us how far we fall short. How far we come short. Mankind has always come short. God gave ten commandments in the Old Testament. And he also had to provide a sacrificial system because of mankind's inability to keep even the most simple and basic commandments. In Romans chapter 3, the apostle Paul wrote, As the scriptures say, no one is righteous. No one. Not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God. Now, obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. And for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Romans 3, 10 through 20, New Living Translation. Mankind has a long history of not being able to keep God's commands. Before there were ten commands, there was only one. 
Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we couldn't even keep one simple commandment. And because mankind ate, we're surrounded by a world that's filled with death and decay. But God, Christ, has promised to make all things new. And he's coming back and he's going to establish a perfect eternal kingdom. And he invites us to be a part, an eternal part of his eternal perfect kingdom. And if we do things the way God uh, tells us to do it, then things always turn out better. We are blessed. We get blessed. So here, Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes, how to live a life that is blessed. And there you have it. All you have to do is follow God's Word, read what He has to say in the owner's manual, and follow it. But it's not that easy, is it? You'll enjoy this study with Pastor Leighton Sheely in the Beatitudes, and I hope you can be with us for every single broadcast. If not, we're on the web at studyversebyverse.com. Find past broadcasts right there. I'm Mike Trout. This is an outreach from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno at highlands.us. You can contribute to the ministry. Join with us in that way when you go to that website again, Highlands. Have a great rest of your day. Come back tomorrow at the same time when we'll continue in the Beatitudes in the book of Matthew and the fifth chapter and study verse by verse.